What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean, and today we will be looking at the Baltimore Ravens' 24-10 victory over the Indianapolis Colts. I found it a little bit surprising that Baltimore allowed the Indianapolis Colts to hang around so long, but really, it wasn't anything that the Baltimore Ravens allowed. It was more that the Indianapolis Colts played really strong defense today. And had the offense had more to offer, then they might have taken this game because Baltimore's offense certainly wasn't a juggernaut today and certainly had to be aided by a fumble recovery by their defense. So while they still would have won the game technically without it, it would have changed the game flow a lot, especially up front, especially when Indianapolis scored the first touchdown. But even then, I didn't think that that was something that was going to sustain itself. I had a feeling that Baltimore would come back, but it goes to show you that when your team is more dependent on one part of the offense than the other, and you don't have enough balance, if someone has the ability to take that away from you, then you can struggle and it can affect your team overall. We saw it last year in the playoffs where they were able to stifle the run a bit And that kind of got them behind the sticks a bit. And while Jackson showed efficiency with his passing today, it's still not a situation where you want Lamar having to make five to seven step drops all the time and having to do it with his arm. They need to create more running lanes. They need to have a better running attack to really get up on teams and to really put them away. Now, It's nothing against Lamar. He certainly has talent. It's just you got to use him correctly, and he is a little bit more dependent on his legs than some of the other quarterbacks out there. But he has extremely fast legs, and I think it's legs that have really come through for fantasy owners. It just goes to show you on a day where the Ravens didn't have their best day, he still got the 58 yards. He still got the touchdown. That's 11 points right off the bat. And then you throw on top of everything else, certainly a lackluster day if you spend a second round pick on him. But at the same time, it just goes to show you, like I keep saying, rushing quarterbacks have a certain floor to them that they're not going to go underneath typically. Because like I said, if you can't throw the ball, they run the ball. If they can pass the ball, they don't have to run. So it works both ways for these quarterbacks. And Lamar is certainly a premier quarterback when it comes to running the ball. However, if you have him, it's likely that you drafted him in the second and third round. And this goes to show you that in a given year, a quarterback's probably not going to outscore the other quarterbacks by enough to make that kind of pick worthwhile. Because you could have got Kyler in the fifth. You could have got Josh in the ninth. There's a lot of possibilities as far as your fantasy draft could have gone where you didn't have to spend so much capital you know, on Lamar, because the first, second, and third rounds of fantasy drafts are the key rounds. And if you screw those up, you're certainly in trouble. And having Lamar as that second or third round pick gives you one less chance to get into the starting running backs, to get into the big time receivers. And it just kind of hinders you overall as a team. You know, when Lamar was good, it was when he was drafted in those later rounds and then outperformed that. So it's hard with quarterback one leagues where there's only one quarterback because there are so many quarterbacks that in a given week, it's really hard to outscore that. So while I love Lamar and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of pundits down on him, is he done as the league figured him out? I think it's more that the league has figured out the triple option a little bit more and they don't have as many explosive options on the outside. And like, I like Hollywood Brown and everything, 
but it just seems like the whole thing is a little disjointed and they don't really have the same mojo they had last year. Now, like I, like I've been saying before, when teams get film out on you, you know, that can hinder an offense that people, somebody comes up with a great game plan and then everybody copies it. So like I said in earlier pods this week, if a team is able to dictate the terms, if a team is able to take that away from you, because they, every team is going to try and take what you do well away from you. If they have the personnel like the Indianapolis Colts do, then they may be capable of doing so. Indianapolis is really strong through the front seven. They've got one of the best linebackers in the business, Darius Leonard. He might be the best middle linebacker. Dude is all over the field making tackles, stifling the run. And that's certainly what I chalk this offensive performance by the Ravens up to is, you know, just having a bad matchup with the Colts. Because while the Colts don't have a dominant defense, they absolutely have defensive pieces. And the front seven has really been showing out, you know, on top of Leonard, you know, you've got, they picked up DeForest Buckner. He's been playing well. Grover Stewart and Alquad and Muhammad have stepped up as well. That's helped out everything. And when you have a defensive front seven playing well, and you're a team that likes to run the ball and you run the ball 38 times for 110 yards, that's not a very good recipe for a great offensive day. It led to a lot of punts, a lot of disjointed drives. And while the Ravens were able to pour it on in the second half and get the lead and kind of go with it from there, that was more of a function of Phillip Rivers and the Indianapolis offense not being able to do anything than it was the Ravens dominating and getting something going. Now, like I said, Lamar was still able to take advantage of his legs. And if you can trade for him down the stretch, I'm certainly okay with having Lamar as my quarterback one. My only issue is what you drafted him as second quarter or first quarterback off the draft board and that early just doesn't work out. And there's going to be a lot of people that learn their lesson through this season. Now we're starting to look at the playoffs. You know, you probably have a good feel of how you're looking. And I got to tell you that I'm not scared of the Baltimore Ravens playoff schedule or really schedule overall going forward. Now in three weeks, they do play the Pittsburgh Steelers, but other than that, they've got new England, Tennessee, Dallas, and then Cleveland in the 14. That's the first playoff round. And then Jacksonville and New York in the final rounds. Those are primo matchups that we're looking to take advantage of. And I feel like Lamar is really the only one that's truly set up to take advantage of that I can truly predict that he's going to take advantage of it. The rest of the offense that we'll get to has been somewhat inconsistent, but I do like my Baltimore Ravens options going forward. And I want to have stock in these different options just in case they're able to consolidate some of the values of their fellow players by the time that these weeks come by, because I'll tell you, Cleveland, Jacksonville, New York Giants is one of the best playoff schedules I've seen. Cleveland's playing better on defense, but still it doesn't seem like that'd be a team that they'd have any trouble with necessarily. And the good thing for Lamar, uh, you know, I talk about defenses being good. That kind of hurts them. Well, with Marley being a running quarterback and with the offense being more of a running situation, you know, that good defense actually plays into that part of it. So I'm on Lamar. Absolutely. Trying to have stock in him for that playoff schedule, if nothing else, but it may be hard to trade for him because of the price paid in the draft room. So you definitely going to have to knock socks off, but this is a good performance to go after him at. I don't fear any of the other teams other than the Steelers defense wise that they've got to play. So why not? And that goes for the rest of the options too. I certainly want to try and have some stakes in the running game. However, it's kind of hard to tell right now how that's going to happen and how that's going to break down in the future. 
you know, with Gus still in the mix, JK wasn't able to break out. He was the one most denied by Darius Leonard and the rest of the offense. So I, while I still like him going forward and it's probably a good opportunity to buy low if he can, you know, this is definitely a disheartening performance when Mark Ingram isn't even there. Now I'm guessing they don't, now I'm guessing they don't, hurry Mark Ingram back, but he's going to be back at a certain point. So we need to monitor this situation to say, you know, one of these players is going to break out or not. I just need to see more of a consolidation of the carries to really feel good about any of them. But the thing is, you know, with Gus and JK kind of splitting them and things being ineffective today, you know, Gus still got the start. He still got the touchdown. So it just kind of leaves everything in jeopardy. And you can probably start either of them as a desperation flex. But until one of them kind of breaks away, it's probably going to be a situation where you can, you're not going to get all you would have thought out of J.K. Dobbins with Mark Ingram down. Still doesn't seem like there's a good word on Mark Ingram to this point. Uh, ankle injury, certainly a hard one to come back from. And he didn't seem like he was that overall injured the first time it happened. He'd been kind of fighting it and went out there and took six carries and then was gone for the rest of the game. That's where we saw JK break out a little bit. Although, like I said, Gus is still getting the money carries. So we have to watch out for that. And we have to be wary. I just never thought at this point that if Mark Ingram was out, that J.K. Dobbins would need Gus Edwards to also go out to really consolidate all this. But apparently that's the case, which is truly disappointing for anybody that drafted him before the sixth round or really anybody at this point. It didn't have to be before the sixth round. I mean, it just hasn't quite lived up to what we wanted it to be. Looks like he's probably going to get another shot at it next week against the Patriots, a team that had trouble stopping Buffalo the other week, a team that let the New York Jets play with them. I mean, I think I think this is probably a good time for him to bounce back. Just a question of how little can you give to get him? Because like I said, I love that schedule. And if I could have J.K. Dobbins on the cheap, I would certainly be into that just in case something good happens. But it is kind of a speculation play to do that. But you know what? When somebody runs for 30 yards, that's kind of what the plays we're making with those type of people is speculation. So light recommends on a J.K. Dobbins buy low, but I'm not really going crazy on that because of Gus. Um, Gus is substantial too, and when he's getting the banging between the tackles carries, he's not as likely to get hit in the knee. Certainly I'm okay if you're feeling a little anxiety towards J.K. and you might not want to start him, but I'm telling you against the New England Patriots, should Mark Ingram be out, I think he will get back in the right, and I think it'll be a situation to monitor. Speaking of situations I've been monitoring – you know, with 170 yards only on the board for Lamar passing, certainly left a lot of the receiving options wanting. But you know what? It's not something we've been counting on up until this point outside of Mark Ingram. Like maybe you had Hollywood Brown as a wide receiver three, but he hasn't really been producing. His lack of size limits him in the possession type role, and then they don't want to wear him out and overwork him so he doesn't seem to get manufactured touches and the like as well. So not a great situation. I'm certainly disappointed in Hollywood Brown this year. And uh, the lack of big play in this offense has been noticeable. That was something they thrived on. People were closer to the line of scrimmage. And I think they still are. It's just that for whatever reason, you know, the weapons haven't been as explosive and they haven't been able to get down the field as much. So we'll look for that to reverse itself in this next part of the season. You know, crazier things have happened. And like I said, I love the schedule going forward. But, you know, I'm kind of concerned about the different options. Mark Andrews has been losing work to Nick Boyle. 
um, got one of his touchdowns the other week and got more yards than him this week. And that's certainly not what I was expecting. You know, Mark has been more consistent than that. And it always seemed like it was built on, you know, a little bit less footing than a Kelsey situation, but this has been something different, but you know, it's a perfect time to buy low on him because he's had a bunch of ineffective weeks in a row. And while, you know, that hasn't been great, at the same time, I feel like that's a situation that could correct itself pretty easily. Just needs the red zone to go his way a little bit more. And he just needs to get a little bit more in sync with, with Lamar. They've been a little bit more out of sync this year, it seems like, for whatever reason. And that's affected the offense as well. So just the lack of continuity seems to be the situation with the passing game. And when the running game is ineffective and it's putting them behind the sticks a bit, I believe that's what the case was today. And when you have Darius Leonard stopping the run, I just think that kind of affected Lamar and the overall offense. But really everybody other than J.K. did exactly what I would have expected them to do in that kind of situation. Moving over to the Indianapolis Colts. You know, had Phillip Rivers been more effective on this day, I think we might have been staring down an Indianapolis Colts win Certainly at times, it does look like he, the old Phillip Rivers, he's making good decisions, he's throwing the ball around, but man, he just still doesn't quite have the fastball to drive the ball down the field as much. And while he's reined it in a little bit, it certainly hasn't done anything for the offense. It seems like the weapons lack a certain amount of panache for Phillip Rivers as well. You know, Michael Pittman looked pretty decent today. Zach Pascal's fine, but without T.Y., Without some of their burners on the field, it does seem like a more of a possession unit. And I guess that's okay because Phillip isn't driving the ball down the field all that effectively anyway. But at the same time, I don't like how that affects the offense. I don't like how that draws everybody closer to the intermediate and short game passing and the running game. Because just like Baltimore, this is a team that needs to run the ball. And they came out effectively early with Jonathan Taylor and did that. But they ended up shelving him for whatever reason. He did fumble at one point. But, man, it seemed like everything was lining up for Jonathan Taylor. And then they totally pulled the rug out from under him and have really shelved him to this point. And while Jordan Wilkins is fine and runs hard and Naeem Hines catches the ball just fine, from a football standpoint, it's good to have all three of them. I wish they would feature Jonathan Taylor more. And I think once they watch the film on this, they'll see that that's something that they need to do. Because while he fumbled, I do think that he has a lot more talent than Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines. And I just can't really fathom, other than the fumble, what happened there. Now, he had been dealing with some ankle stiffness, but so maybe there's more, more to it than that. But I'm still very disappointed. And I thought they were gearing him up for bigger things, especially the way that this game started. He still got the touchdown. And, uh, you know, I'm not really recommending any one of the three backs at this point. There's too much spread. They're using all three of them. And while Jordan Wilkins is fine, you know, in a pinch desperation situation, I don't like the talent there. And I don't think that he's got what it takes to run the ball in a running back two situation unless he gets the absolute all of the carries, all of the touches. Because I get the feeling that if one of them left, like say Jonathan Taylor went out, Naheem Hines would be mixed in even more. It's a three-headed monster. We thought it was going to be a better situation, and certainly at times it looked that way. But with Indianapolis being somewhat ineffective and with three of them back there, I'm just not excited about any of it. Maybe you float a buy low for Jonathan Taylor, hoping that they get the situation right. But it doesn't look hopeful after a game like this. And we'll need to see more from this from Phillip Rivers 
and from the running game if we're going to get excited about anybody. And that includes the passing game too. T.Y. hadn't been all that effective at all, really. It really hadn't been effective at all up until this point, but still they need more stretching of the field. They need more vertical options. And like I said, it's not Phillip Rivers' strength, but you have to back the defense off a bit. You need that speed on the field, and it just wasn't impressive today. And with Phillip Rivers not being all that impressive anymore, it's just not a great situation for the offense. It's an interesting setup as far as Indianapolis's schedule goes. They're certainly not a team that I'm focusing my running backs and my, and my offensive DFS plays towards with the way they've been playing on defense. You know, they've got Tennessee, Green Bay, Tennessee, Houston, Las Vegas, Houston, Pittsburgh. The Las Vegas, Houston, Pittsburgh being their playoff schedule. Don't love the Pittsburgh part of that, but the Las Vegas, Houston part is just fine, especially when you get Houston twice. They are defense to target at this point. I think the Colts would have an easier time during that time producing. So I'd be okay with that, but you got to remember that that week 16 matchups looming in the pit with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now it's really hard to tell at this point, if any of the Colts options in the running back or wide receiver are going to hold wide receiver one wide receiver two, running back one running back two value because of the way it's all spread out. You're probably only going to want to get into the flex and with the lack of known receiving options and with the lack of Phillip Rivers overall upside, I don't think that I'm trying to get into the Colts wide receivers outside of like a wide receiver three play. And even then, that's a sketchy situation. It's going to be hard to know which one of these receivers is going to break out from time to time. So until I see something more definitive from Michael Pittman or Zach Paschal, I'm going to need to see more. And you know what? It's even disturbing to me that the tight ends weren't able to take advantage either. I mean, Baltimore is a good defense. Certainly you can't judge them on this, but at the same time, it hasn't been that great a situation for any of the weapons in the Colts offense. It's been kind of a down year for that offense from what I expected, but you know what, with Phillip Rivers being kind of washed, I guess I shouldn't have been so surprised. Now the Colts are still five and three. They're still absolutely in the mix with them with that schedule going forward. I absolutely think they have the ability to make the playoffs at this point. It's just a question of them turning it on. And I'm hoping that they, you know, go ahead and consolidate some of the carries and touches into some of their more talented players instead of spreading it around so much. But that's kind of Phillip Rivers MO. I'm really more concerned with the running back aspect of it because they could have a really good running back situation if they wanted to. They just keep making bad decisions as far as who they're running. So we'll see if they're able to correct that next week. And uh, like I said, maybe, maybe throw a buy low offer on Jonathan Taylor. If you can get somebody to really take some garbage for it, because that's the one I want as far as having somebody to be a lottery ticket, to really take me down the stretch and probably start them, you know, in the Houston games, et cetera. Well, that's what I've got for this game. Certainly I enjoy both of these teams. You know, Indianapolis has been playing really good defense recently, and that kind of makes me excited for their prospects as far as watching their games going forward. Because, I mean, you got you know, you want good football when you're watching these films. It is about the fantasy for this podcast, but at the same time, you know, I got to be motivated to watch these games somehow. And I'll tell you, Indianapolis certainly has it on the defense. And of course, I'm so interested to see what Lamar can do with this schedule going forward. And like I said, the 15, 16 are the one I'm really excited about, but I just get the feeling that it's not just that far off with the Ravens, something off hard to put your finger on exactly what it is necessarily, but I just think this was a bad matchup. So I'm going to look for more for both these teams, like listen, subscribe, and of course, download. That's the important one and uh, have a great rest of your week.